2: Hello everybody and welcome to the Mirror Football Podcast brought to you in association with Ladbrokes. Transfer deadline day is just around the corner. We're recording today on Tuesday. Deadline day is tomorrow, Wednesday. And we're going to preview um, what is one of the most eventful days of the calendar um, throughout the whole of Europe, not just in England. Uh, So plenty to touch on. Um, We're joined uh, this week by Ibrahim Mustafa. How are you doing? I'm not too bad. Not too bad. Good stuff. And James Whalen.
3: All good, pal. All good.
2: Oh, good. Lovely stuff. Um, right. Um, deadline day. Um, I know for myself, as, as a journalist now, I don't enjoy it as much as I used to when I was a fan because I used to just, you know, kind of just get a lot of fatty food in, sit on the sofa all day, and do a load of nothing there. Uh, um, do you look forward to Deadline Day, James?
3: Yeah, I think, you know, I think. Just in general, over the last few years, it's sort of lost its magic a little bit. Uh, we don't seem to get quite as many big deals going as late as we did with clubs preferring to do the business earlier in the window. But I think this window has been a little bit of a hark back. To be honest, you know, there's still, as we speak now, with just over 24 hours to go in the window, there's still quite a lot of big deals that could go through or, or perhaps couldn't. And you know, whether they do or they don't, it's gonna be it's gonna be a big story either way tomorrow.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. Is the uh, the one that seems like is going to be the the main talking point? Ibra uh, Aubameyang would you be happy if uh, to see him go to Arsenal?
4: Um, yeah, it would be a great signing for Arsenal. But given having lost Alexis Sanchez, the club, the team are essentially worse off than they were on January first. I mean, getting Mkhitaryan in is obviously great. He's a fine footballer, but is he better than Sanchez? And have Arsenal improved to the point that they sh- they need to in order to chase those top four spots? Getting someone like Abamyang in, yeah, it does improve the side, and yeah, I think I can't imagine any Arsenal fan will be unhappy with signing him, regardless of the cost. I think
2: of a good window for Arsenal then. If I know obviously they lost Sanchez, um, which is obviously a major loss to, and would be to any team. Uh, but with if Bamiang was to come in, Mkhitaryan come in as well, good window for Arsenal.
4: Yeah, with both players, it would be a good window. But like I say, losing Sanchez, and if Mkhitaryan is the only addition, then it's not really a good window. So, I think they really need to do what they can to make sure that deal gets over the line. And obviously, with the rumours of potentially Johnny Evans as well, if that were to happen, then it would be a very good window for Arsenal.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's not just Aubameyang that is the one, uh, the only story. Um, There's a load of kind of like subplots to to that transfer. Uh, which could involve uh, Olivier Giroud going to either Borussia Dortmund or even Chelsea. If he goes to Chelsea for like a ludicrously cheap price, like a £15 million, which is a bit mad. And also it might mean Michy Batshuayi then goes to Dortmund. It's a whole bit of a um, a mad one. Um, Olivier Giroud, James, uh, is Chelsea a good move for him? Because, let's be honest, he's a great goal scorer, but he's stuck on the bench at Arsenal. Wouldn't he just be doing the same if he went to Chelsea? It's
3: difficult, isn't it? I think... Chelsea are obviously desperate to get another forward in. Antonio Conte has made his mind up. You know, if you look at the players they've been linked with this month, they've gone from Andy Carroll to Peter Crouch to Ashley Barnes. You know, pretty pretty ludicrous suggestions, really, especially Crouch and Barnes for a, a club. You know, no disrespect to those players, but a club the stature of Chelsea, you wouldn't imagine they'd get in the team if you compared Giroud to those sorts of players. All of a sudden, it becomes a great signing um, for him personally. He is on the bench at Arsenal. He does need more football. He wants to get in France's World Cup squad. I think Giroud will actually fancy going there and making himself the number one because, you know, Conte clearly doesn't fancy Bakshuayi and the form Alvaro Morata's in, you know, he doesn't look like scoring in a month Sundays at the minute. So, we've seen time and again, even this season, Giroud, when he's come off the bench, he has scored goals. I think his goal to minutes ratios is, is up there with anyone in the Premier League. So, um, I think it's a good move for him if he gets it and... Um, yeah, I think he could do well for Chelsea.
2: Uh, Ibra, has Wenger been maybe particularly harsh, perhaps, on, on Giroud, given the obviously, I think he's only started one, maybe two Premier League games this season. Is, it, is that maybe, as I say, harsh on on, on Giroud?
4: Um, potentially, yes, but obviously Arsene Wenger spent a lot of money on Lacazette in the summer, who he considers to be more suited to what he's trying to do with the Arsenal team rather than someone like Giroud. So, in in always, in these situations, you can always say it's harsh on the player, but ultimately, what's best for the team. And if Wenger perceives that Lacazette and coming up potentially Bamiyang are better suited to what he's trying to do, then unfortunately, yeah, someone like Giroud is surplus to requirements, and well, the best thing for him to would be to leave. Absolutely.
2: Uh, I spoke a little earlier today to the Mirror Footballs, uh, well, Daily Mirror's uh, chief football writer, uh, John Cross. Uh, he told me a little bit of what it's like. As a working journalist, so busy on deadline day. Also, a little bit about how it's changed because of Twitter and online. And uh, he also spoke a little bit about Arsenal and uh, kind of what Aubameyang could bring. Here's what he had to say. John Cross, thank you very much for joining us on the Mirror Football Podcast. Uh, we're looking ahead to deadline day. Um, John is kind of what I say, one of the. More senior journalists um, in the football industry, yeah. What is deadline day like for you? Is it a is it a stressful experience, or is it quite enjoyable with so much going on?
5: Well, it is quite enjoyable. Sometimes it's a bit of hit and miss. I've got to say. I mean, it's changed dramatically. Um, I mean, sometimes it feels a bit it feels a bit weirdly really. because I tell you what, the one thing to note is that if you really, if you're well organised as a club, you've got all your ducks in a row. Then, basically you shouldn't be doing last-minute deals in in in, in window. Basically, obviously, you've got you know certain situations that crop up, which is going to sort of kind of beg questions like you know sort of you can get a late injury, which then forces you into the market. But you'd have to question why a club is leaving everything till the last minute in the window. It's sort of almost desperation stakes. Um, I mean, it's quite interesting. Last summer, in, in August, you know, watching the whole. Kind of Sanchez, Man City, and kind of Arsenal going for Lamar thing unfold in, in, in the window. When my impression was that from, a, from about mid-morning that was dead, was dead. Basically, it just wasn't going to happen because I think mean, you've got to be realistic about these things. Must be trying to get over the over the line. I sent a tweet yesterday trying to sort of suggest that basically a transfer deal is like buying a house and he's ever bought a house. It's so stressful and it's so ridiculous, you know, sort sort kind of got so many aspects to it and I do think it's very much like that and I think sometimes these deals, you know, it's sort of a bit fanciful to say, oh, someone made a sort of a call, you know, with a good 10 minutes to go until the end of the window um, to, to make a deal happen. That's so rarely happened. It really does, you know. That basically, it's more about trying to get everything done, all the paperwork signed, done, register the interest if you are leaving it late, and making sure that you can get it over the line. So, I think that I think today, sort of Tuesday, is much more interesting in terms of. People trying to set up deals, and I think by Wednesday morning you'll have an have an idea whether those deals are going to happen. So I think as much as we try and build up deadline day, I actually think deadline days these days more about kind of the odd last minute panic, but last largely more about getting those deals across the line, getting all the paper signed off.
2: Uh, absolutely. I mean, what, what's it like for yourself? Obviously, you've got quite a big Twitter following. Um, obviously, on social media, so many stories unfolding and changing. I mean, for example, Olivier Giroud at the moment. It, 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 you know, it seems to be have so many different angles coming out of that that kind of deal um, on so, on social media, especially. What's it like keeping track of kind of all the the, the comments and because uh, obviously, I imagine it's quite relentless from uh, football Twitter. I think as they they call themselves.
5: Yeah, it's. Um it, it, it certainly brought a new sort of um, aspect to my job. Really, I mean, I have to say, back in the day, I do actually think that the sort of the most uh, the most stressful day was the day before deadline, but when basically you had to get on top of all the transfers and make sure that the sort of kind of the, the, the paper had something. Now, in the days of sort of Twitter and live blog and, and the website, is completely changed. You have to be on top of it. You just absolutely have to file everything and. I guess you know Twitter sort of you know, basically, you know a lot of bashing on Twitter simply because if the deal doesn't doesn't happen doesn't work out or kind of people want to know what's happening or get frustrated then it becomes sort of interesting. But I think the reality is it's a different challenge, isn't it? Really, and sort of you know different sort of aspects and different things, really. But I, I actually really like the sort of the Twitter aspect of it because you sort of see the. the I don't interact with a few fans, get the gauge of what
2: they're feeling, and, and it's quite good fun. You know, I think that's the most fun aspect of, about sort of Twitter, really. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, now on to Arsenal. Um, obviously, we go into deadline day um, with Pierre Emerick Aubameyang being the headline. Uh, Olivier Giroud's still there, uh, but it's been a really busy window for, um, for Arsenal. Um, if they get Aubameyang over the line, do you see it as a successful window? I
5: think if they get Aubameyang. Over the line on top of Mkhitaryan, um, then I think that's a good window. I think it could have been even better, but I do think that basically they're you know, interested in Johnny Evans. He's obviously real, but basically I think the Westbrook had to work. Well, fact that basically how much is he worth what they could get as a transfer fee now if he, if he helps them stay up? So, um, I still think Arsenal could have done with the centre-half and I think that'll come in the summer with the you know, centre-half of some description. But I think if they lose Sanchez, who's are obviously their star player, but replacing with the battalion and um, with Danny Yang, then I think they're coming out with, with, with the window on, on the healthy side. And you really have to say that Sanchez wasn't playing well this season, so I think that they would
2: come out the window feeling stronger. And I think the target for any club has to be they can come out the other side stronger. If you can do that, then you've made progress. And I think then Arsenal would, would have a decent window if they could do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what do Arsenal need then? Obviously, assume Albamyam gets over the line. Um, they get to the summer. Um, what do Arsenal then need to do to become title contenders again? Uh, is it? I mean, uh, kind of what level of investment do they need to push themselves up, kind of back into the elite of the Premier League? Why?
5: I think they need to look at the core of the team I and mean, basically sign a centre half to complement the defenders they've already got. Sign someone really top class, someone experienced and have already played at the top level. I also think the most important player will be a uh, midfield player, complete midfield player, who's someone sort of sit. I mean, you know, Yakko sometimes a bit hit and miss in my view, um, and he's not quite that player. I mean, Jack Wilshire's having a window knows coming so I do think that fancy Arsenal is just a little bit right like in midfield and if they can sort of sign a midfielder who can complement the rest I think that has to be their target I mean with typical render teams you can almost field a team with sort of, kind of a formation of one night. And basically, then you know all the, all the attacking options, all the attacking
2: players, and everyone's to forward, basically, and they end up playing much goalie. But yeah. um, I do actually think they need a bit of stability, and I do think that the midfield is something that they really need to look at. Someone who can enter that midfield, I think, well. Yeah, lovely. Uh, John, really appreciate your time. Thank you very much for joining us once again on the, the Mirror Football Podcast. Thank you. Cheers. John Cross there, joining us on the Mirror Football Podcast, brought to you. As always, in association uh, with Ladbrooks. Now, guys, moving on uh, from Arsenal. So we want to look at kind of all the top clubs in the Premier League. We have uh, uh, not much of a title race going on, but we'll uh, we'll try and assess um, the performances in the window, in the transfer market of uh, kind of our, our contenders, if you like. Uh, we'll start with Manchester United because they've undoubtedly been got the uh, the greatest acquisition of them all uh, in the window in Alexis Sanchez. Um, how would we rate, say if we were scoring them out of 10, how would we rate uh, United's window?
4: I'm oh, sorry, yeah, I'd say probably about eight or nine. I think they've definitely brought in someone like Sanchez, will, who will definitely improve them. Not that they needed much improving. I mean, they've had a great season, obviously, with Man City being exceptional. It is, look Manchester United's season hasn't looked as good, obviously, because they're so far behind in the in the table but Manchester United have been good this season and bringing in someone like Sanchez to add to that can only be a good thing for them really So uh, James?
3: Yeah I think I agree I think um, you know Sanchez's record over the last few years speaks for itself both at Barcelona and Arsenal um, he is probably one of the top maybe 10 players in world football and for United to get someone like that for you know, such a small fee. I don't, it wasn't even like a nominal fee. With with Mkhitaryan going the other way, is one hell of a deal. Obviously, the only reason that happened is because he only has six months left on his contract to Arsenal, which you know is their own fault. They, they should have rectified that situation this summer by either tying him down or or selling him in the summer for a higher price. Um, I actually think, I don't. While while Sanchez has gone to United, and that's a great signing for them, I don't think Man City would be too disappointed because you know ultimately they could have got him if they'd really wanted. And they've decided not to play for £400,000 a week or whatever it is. So, you know, while United have got a very good player, um, their wage bill's gone significantly up. And
4: as I was saying, taking Sanchez from Arsenal potentially could weaken Arsenal if they don't get in those adequate replacements. So that's a double bonus for United, improving themselves and weakening a potential rival in and around them in the table.
2: Absolutely. Um, Another team in that mix that you you just mentioned is Chelsea. Um, So far... Um, well, Ross Barkley has been the, the major addition for them. Um, out of 10 for, the, for Chelsea, is it, is it, has it been an acceptable window? Or Because, I mean, obviously, I know there's, there's still something to do, but. Um.
0: This is ACAST Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love.
1: Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Millerband. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent ACAST app or wherever else you get your podcasts.
0: ACAST is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via ACAST or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: I think it's, I think it's difficult to score them really because, you know, I think it's pretty hard to say how good a signing Ross Barkley will be. What I will say is, if I was in Chelsea's position and you offered me Ross Barkley for 15 million pounds, I'm absolutely taking him. You know, we've we've seen the performances he can turn in. We've seen him turning some real talismanic tell- displays for Everton in the past, but not so much over the last year or 18 months. He's obviously had his injury problems as well, but I think for 15 million pounds, which for a club like Chelsea isn't a lot of money, um, it was pretty risk-free signing. Um, he had a he had a pretty poor debut, but you know only time will tell whether Ross Barkley can get back to the levels he was at, at Everton and go beyond which would also be big for England but you know that ultimately Chelsea's window will be decided about what happens for the rest of today and tomorrow
2: yeah absolutely Ibra um, obviously uh, barkley's come in but is, is there maybe any, anything that Chelsea have missed um i don't I know obviously they're the trying to get a, a striker in clearly so desperately um
4: is there anything else you think they maybe they could have uh, could have done with? I mean, their striker situation. Yeah, desperate is the right word for it. Um, actually, for the looking through the rest of their team, I think they're pretty sound. I mean, defensively they're looking all right. They seem to have changed things up. Christensen's come in, leaving Louise out of the squad. But defensively they look pretty sound. So you look to that and think perhaps no, nah, they. they don't need anything else I mean the striker thing is the main issue there have been questions about midfield and bringing in someone like Barkley could help strengthen that area of the team but I think they're going to have to be patient with him he's been out a while he's not played a lot of regular football and as James said his debut he wasn't great but I think they're going to have to be patient with him he might not even turn out the kind of performances that you expect from him this season it might have to be further down the line
2: Absolutely Uh, on to Liverpool Um, Virgil van Dijk in Philip Coutinho out. That seems to be it because Thomas Lamar is almost definitely not going to happen. It seems Monaco of uh, Monaco's president has come out and said it's uh, it won't be happening. He won't he won't be sold. Um, obviously, I think we all knew they were going to lose Coutinho. We all, all felt that uh, they've brought in the defender which they so desperately needed. Um, but has it been a successful window? Did they need to replace Coutinho? I think. <laughs>
3: Yeah, we did all know Coutinho was leaving, and I think Liverpool did well to get another six months out of him, you know. And you know, at the same chance fee, they would have got in the summer anyway, maybe even higher. Um, you know, his, his, his value probably appreciated in those six months. Um, did they need to replace him? I think they could have done with replacing him, and Lamar would have been a good signing. But at the same time, they're still scoring plenty of goals. That their, their problems aren't in that area of the field. What they really needed was a centre half, and you know, Van Dijk has shown. Well, you know, he's, he's not he's not been. Incredible, you'd say in these first few games, but he has shown that he's, he's definitely got the potential to be a great signing for Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly the, the sort of defender that Jurgen Klopp likes as well. He's, he's good with the ball at his feet. Um, obviously, they've, they've let Sturridge go as well, which you know he's, he's gone to West Brom on loan. A good, good move for him, I think. You know, he, he was talking about Giroud needing regular football before the World Cup. You know, Sturridge desperately needs a run of games, a run of goals, otherwise he's not going to be on the plane to Russia.
2: Yeah, uh, Ibra, how do, how do you rate uh, Liverpool's window?
4: Um, yeah, I mean, losing Coutinho is obviously going to be huge, but they've to be able to cope without him. That forward line is still as deadly as you can imagine. You could, yeah. you could want it to be. Um, Virgil van Dijk, again, another one. It's going to maybe take a game or two for him to actually settle in, but once he does, I think you know it will be a sound acquisition for them, and they'll be happy with that. So you know, maybe about six, seven euros yeah. window. No, fair. uh
2: Tottenham um just quickly uh, Lucas Moura uh, is pretty much done uh so at the point of recording he is at Tottenham's med- uh, kind of out there training ground under- undergoing his medical um so it looks like a 25 million pound move um the only bit of business really um or well incoming anyway for for Spurs um a good a good acquisition uh, I know we have uh, Connor, our social social editor in the office, who's a huge Spurs fan, and he's saying that oh, Spurs we, we need pace, we need pace. and he'll, he'll, he'll bring that. Um, so, he, do you reckon he's the right man?
3: Yeah, I think he's right. I think Tottenham. If, if there's one thing Tottenham do like going forward, it is that bit of pace. They've obviously got Son, who's, who's quick off the mark. But other than that, um, you know, they've got two big centre forwards in Harry Kane and Fernando Llorente. Kane's not slow by any means, you know, but pace isn't really his game. And then you look at the other, other sorts of players they've got, the likes of Ali. Uh, Ericsson, LaMella you know they're all sort of number tens in and around the box again. Not not really the quickest, so I think pace is something that Tottenham did lack. And again, twenty five million pounds, um, it's a sizeable fee, but for for a club the size of Tottenham, probably worth going and going and getting him. I think.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, is it is it maybe worrying for? I mean, for Arsenal fans that Tottenham are getting a little bit stronger again, or uh, or do you feel with uh, Aubameyang? Um, if he obviously, obviously signs, it would level the playing field again between
4: Arsenal and Spurs. Um, it's a tough one to answer because, again, you never know how these players will settle in. I mean, someone like Morrie, again, as James was saying, would improve Spurs to that point. You know, uh, you look at some of the points they've dropped this season against sort of weaker teams where they haven't been able to actually turn the screw, and it is because they that Possibly lack that pace, and getting that in, maybe they'll turn those one-point games into three-point games, and you know make a push for that top four. And so Arsenal really needs to be on their game if we're talking about the rivalry there to really sort of chase them and catch, chase them down and catch them.
2: Yeah. Uh, you eagle-eyed listeners will have noticed that I didn't mention Manchester City in that um, in that group of teams, and that's because uh, I'm going to speak now to Kieran Canning, a uh, Spanish football writer. Who uh, joins us to speak about their recruit, uh, fifty-seven million pound Améric Laporte from Athletic Bilbao? Here's what he had to say on him. Kieran Canning, thank you very much for joining us on the Mirror Football Podcast. Uh, now, Manchester City have completed the signing of Améric Laporte from uh, Athletic Bilbao. Um, Kieran, for anybody who doesn't know anything or or much at all about uh, Laporte, uh, what, what can you tell us about him? What, what will he bring to Manchester City?
6: Yeah, I think the sort of type of player that uh, Pep Guardiola looks for, in the defender. Um, I think there's there's certain similarities that can be made with John Stones, for example. And um, he's a player that was chased by Barcelona for quite a few years uh, for But uh, The so, Most surprising things about the signing would be that it's happened now because. He had stalled a bit in the past uh, couple of seasons, but it was very, very highly thought of uh, two or three years ago. But as can be quite common with players that, if I can, uh, because their Basque only uh, policy, they find that, normally find it quite hard to, to replace uh, players that leave. So they're putting big contracts from very young age uh, and big money. And sometimes this happens with, with players now that they can kind of stall a bit. And so I think from the port's point of view, um, it's an important step to. Take the step up and, and come to Manchester City, um, and you should fit into that. You know, what's now probably the most expensive uh, defence in, in the world on the, on the left hand side, and um,
2: probably looking to take caught to Mendy's position uh, alongside alongside John Stones. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you mentioned there he's kind of a Pep Guardiola player uh, as such. Is is it is he? I assume a good footballer then. Yeah, definitely. Um, one of
6: his his, his abilities is play out of the back and, and play under pressure point um, off when when we look at teams now there's sort of two ways to play against Manchester City either try and press them very high up as Liverpool did so successfully a few weeks ago or the vast majority of teams this season have just kind of, uh, sort of damage limitation and sat back um, but when under that sort of high press uh, Laporte is you know, he's very very comfortable in the ball I think also the fact that he is left footed um, might add a bit of balance to
2: the defence as well um, and he's kind of Relatively used to, as well as his technical ability. Um far as the ball, are kind of for being one of the more physical sides in Spain. So that sort of type of uh, the play, that sometimes defenders coming from Spain to England suffer from a bit the, the, the extra physicality. He's relatively well prepared to deal with that as well. Lovely stuff. Um... Uh, elsewhere in Spain, uh, Real Madrid are obviously having uh, an absolutely torrid season. Uh, Zinedine Zidane just can't seem to get them going. Are you, you may be surprised that they weren't a little more active in January, given uh, obviously their current struggles.
6: Yeah, it's been a kind of constant um,
2: season, not just in January, but actually back in in the summer, which is where a lot of Real Madrid's come from. And the fact that the cause of success of last season, Zidane has been very very loyal to his squad and you know, the critics say too loyal in terms of he did not looked for for replacement for trying one, to, to,
6: to improve the squad but also to sort of freshen things up um, one of the things that has, has been different for Real Madrid over the past few years um, from normal um, has been very successful for them in that there generally has been quite a lot of continuity in the squad um, they haven't really made a big transfer market since the summer 2014 when they signed uh, James Rodriguez so there's there's plenty, um, in theory there seems to be plenty of money there um, that can be used and will be used in the summer um, but Dan has been pretty blunt from the, the start of the transfer window saying that he was very happy with the, the squad that he has, he still believes in them. Um, the only real rumour there was was another Athletic Mobile player, uh, the goalkeeper Kepa, um, who was blinked for a long time and it seemed certain he was going to come in. But apparently, on Dan's wishes, um, Madrid didn't go through that deal and he's now renewed to stay on Athletic ball. So, very much Zidane is, is putting his faith in the players that won from last season that, um, that they also need to turn things around. Uh, Remaining the job and it, it's Real Madrid's season and it all comes down to the Champions League and that tie against
2: the uh, Paris Saint Germain in a couple of weeks time. Yeah, uh, you mentioned Paris Saint Germain, Neymar, who obviously moved from Barcelona uh, to PSG in the summer. There's always seemed to have since been uh, rumours of him, you know, possibly in the future moving to Real Madrid. Uh, what, what what do you make of those uh, those talks?
6: I think it's one of those deals that's possibly destined to happen at some stage. Um, Long or how far in the future it will take to happen. I'm not entirely sure. I think that it's unlikely, um, as the President of PSG has been quite categoric in saying this week that it will happen uh, this summer, but I think for the summer of 2019, um, it's looking more like stability. A lot of also has to do with Cristiano Ronaldo's situation at Real Madrid. Um, he's certainly not happy, and a lot of um, speculation or, or stronger speculation is pretty pretty well known that Ronaldo um, would look for an exit route out of Real Madrid this summer, but his problem is also going to be finding takers that are willing to pay what Real Madrid want and also willing to pay him the amount of salary that that he would like. So I think if we're looking at a long-term situation that Real Madrid would see as the the heir to to Ronaldo's throne, um, but for two such massive deals, Take place at the same time. It's also not going to happen uh, in the next couple of days, but it's also I think it was unlikely that it would happen in the summer. And you're looking more at, at 29, the time when when Madrid would finally get Neymar after trying to go from multiple um, things in the past. The president, Valentino Perez, a huge fan of Neymar, not just for his football ability but the uh, the commercial benefits that his signing would bring. And losing a figure, you know, a historic figure in the club's history, like Ronaldo. Um, could only be compensated by getting someone like Neymar, and at the same time, it would have an extra advantage for Real Madrid um, to, uh, to get an ex player on a
2: player that walked out on the in the summer. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Kieran Canning, really, really appreciate you joining us on the podcast. Thank you very much. No problem, myself. Thanks. Kieran Canning there joining us on the Mirror Football podcast. Uh, that's pretty much it on our short transfer deadline day uh, preview. Um, just before we go uh, just a few betting odds from Ladbrokes um, betting currently suspended and as it probably will remain on Aubameyang to Arsenal and Lucas Moura um, to Spurs that's at time of recording uh, interestingly if you are looking uh, at the Johnny Evans deal uh, for Arsenal 11-8 uh, you can get him to join Arsenal he was 10-1 to 1 on uh, at one point to join um, there's now potentially a bit of value there if you think Arsenal are going to get that one over the line uh, Arsenal 9-2 to, to sign David Luiz from Chelsea as part of maybe a Giroud swap um, and uh, Olivier Giroud 2-7 to, um, to go in the other direction uh, Mitchy Batswai obviously involved in that move as well 8-13 uh, to, to go to Dortmund all the mods from Ladbrokes who have very kindly sponsored uh, this podcast throughout January uh, and also all of our transfer coverage on
4: Mirror Football Um so guys looking forward to deadline day Always. Yeah, not so much anymore, though. There used to be, you know, when you're watching on television, the fans acting like pillocks behind the reporters. Well, there's less of that now, so that aspect's gone.
2: Right, that will do us. Um, Thank you for listening. We'll be back later this week to review the transfer deadline day, everything that happened, and also look ahead to the Premier League weekend. So do keep track of all your uh, podcast apps on iTunes, Boom, Spotify, uh, for the release of that. Um... So, until then, uh, enjoy Deadline
1: Day and we will you know, see you then. Hi, it's Finn Dewar from the Irish History Podcast and this is a Staycast from Acast. Please, please, please follow the government's advice right now, which is currently to stay at home where possible. While you're staying at home, I would recommend another great show that's worth checking out. It's Unexplained by Richard McLean Smith. It's a beautifully produced and gripping show that looks at unusual and sometimes unnerving occurrences from the past and present. It's perfect escapism.
0: Check out Unexplained on the Acast app or wherever you get podcasts.